Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's federal law enforcement agency. I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to True Crime Archives. So this week, we've got another bit of a doozy for you. This one is... You say that every week. I don't think I say that every week. Okay. This one is a little complicated, though. There is a lot of information on this one. And there is more than one victim in this case. So this week we are discussing. It is very, very sad. This week we are discussing the Craig Alaska murders from 1982. Um, And I know last week we mentioned uh, the years that we keep picking. Right. So (laughs) September 7th, 1982 in Craig, Alaska. Very sad. Eight people were killed. We have eight victims. We have Mark Colthurst, who's 28. His wife, Irene Colthurst, also 28. Their children, Kimberly and John. Kimberly was five. John was four. Michael Stewart, 19 years old. Dean Moon was also 19. Jerome Keown was also 19. And Chris Heyman, 18. And those, the the last four boys, they worked on the the ship. Right. So they were the crew Mm -hmm. of the investor. The investor was owned by Mark Colthurst. 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 It was a sane boat meant for uh, fishing. It was an $850,000 boat. You guys, <laughs> the amount of times I read that and heard that in the research. Yeah, it was state of the art. It had all the state of the art stuff. The yeah. sa- same boat as where you had the vertical fishing net that goes down and catches fish. So fish, And, and it was apparently state of the art for 1982. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big deal. This boat was a big deal. He, Mark worked hard to get this boat and his so it was a crew of eight because he considered mm-hmm. his family his family worked on the, the boat with them so they're yes. actually from blaine washington mm-hmm. all of uh the crew all eight of them they're from blaine washington they were boating up I, what's right. the word C- craig craig alaska. going up to craig right. alaska craig alaska was a sort of a hub to go into during the fishing season for salmon and you could dock in there overnight and you spent your time around that area uh, fishing. So, and then that's where you would sell your, your catch uh, for the day, et cetera. So it was a particular season. And I think I remember it, it goes from like population of a hundred to maybe a couple thousand. Right. Dur- yeah. During fishing season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, so it's a pretty big fishing area. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. So Tuesday, September 7th, this is 1982. Like I said, they are actually going to be found murdered on this, on the investor. So the investor is on fire when some other boats, other people in the, what is this? What is it called? Harbor? Harbor. Harbor. <laughs> right, this is early morning. Right, early, early morning on the 7th of September. Some other people in the harbor are alerted to the smoke. This, They see all the smoke. They look outside and they can see that the investor is on fire. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big fire out floating. So the police show up and they bring in the boat to make sure it doesn't sink. And they end up, s- they start to pull out some bodies. And that's when they find 
the bodies. Right. So Alaska State Troopers and then Craig Alaska Police. Alaska State Troopers do a lot more in Alaska than than most other states because the the mm. the they do maybe maybe I'm saying it wrong. They do a lot more police work in the local town jurisdictions because some places don't even have police departments. But Craig had a police department; it was small. But the Alaska State Troopers were involved as well. The police show up. They pull the boat in so it doesn't sink, and they start finding that there are is bodies on the the boat. Right. It's it's pretty much burnt to a crisp. They had they had problems. The fire restarted again. It took hours for them to put this it, fire out. But they they found th- they were pretty sure the crew was on, and they found some bones. They actually started sifting through, which you said was pretty awesome that they did. Y- yeah, the this was to do that. This was interesting. So, because we're gonna get there, but they they believed that the crew was on board, and so they took all the ash and 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 everything, and they had sort of these screens. Uh, I, I forget the size, two by two or something. And they were sifting all the ash and dirt and dust mm-hmm. and, and everything, and they were pulling out bone fragments, and and they were able to start to piece together the the bones of the of the deceased, and and they were able to identify them from there. They also found what? They found some bullets. Bullet casings. Expended right. bullets. Shells. Casings. Right. Shells. T- r- casings. Casings. <laughs> Right. Uh, I think shell casing, same thing. Same 20, thing. 22 caliber is what they found. 22 caliber pistol rifles. So that's when they quickly figure out, okay, these people were murdered, or at least some of them were right. murdered, shot. Right. They were dead, uh-huh. shot before the fire. You've sort of summarized it. So the police have a boat that was burnt down, and they have identified, actually at this point I think they identified seven seven bodies. So Six. S- uh, six it takes so okay. It takes them a while to identify mm. more than just right. Mark and Irene, right? right? They end up being able to identify, I believe it's Michael and Jerome and Dean mm-hmm. with dental records, along with Kimberly. But it's John and Chris Heyman. It might be Dean, that it, but they eventually do one of the other two that they cannot right. identify. And they they never identified. Their, their their four year old son. They believe that he was just so small that he uh, he just he uh, was in the main part of where the fire right, was and at he too. just was burnt, just disintegrated, just burnt to death. But they did ifi- identify everybody. They did it, a- yeah. And and they identified the bullet casing. So now they they say, okay, we have we have a, a murder of of eight people, and they tried to burn the the ship away too. By the way, when you try to cover up. Uh, a crime with arson, it's an aggravating factor. It, it, it would tack on some additional um, penalties. Okay, right. so that's what they have. So now they have to start investigating. So, so the only people. Right, the only evidence they have is the bullet, bullet casings. Obviously, there's no fingerprints or, or DNA or anything like that or, or anything that, that can help. So they have to start investigating. So they start talking to people. And what do they find out? Right. We have a lot of witnesses mm-hmm. in this case. A few people are going to say that a young man was seen purchasing two and a half gallons of gasoline in Craig. So right before the fires, a couple people are going to say that they actually spoke to someone 
coming from it's like a little skiff boat what, what, what how would you describe that for right our so it, it's a skiff it's a little a skiff each these big boats they have a small skiff uh, attached to them and they witnesses so as they see this ship uh, or the boat uh, burning burning they're going out because this is early in the morning so mm-hmm. the boats are start people starting to wake up and get ready to go out to fish for the day and they go towards this boat that's burning and they see somebody a man driving a skiff away from it and they say hey I, I, are there people on on the boat? And he says yes, and they think he's going for help. So he's coming back to the dock, and everybody's going out there to help. So that's what that's one thing that that, one of the that people right. say. They say they saw somebody buying some gasoline right earlier. And then, uh, th- there are a couple other witnesses that say they actually saw someone sailing the ship out there. Yes, and he like and waved, he waved to, to them. them. Yeah, there's a couple people that say that. They saw him at two different times. Right, because what it what it looks like happened was the boat was taken from the port, from the dock, mm-hmm. and it was moved sort of out into a cove. Mm-hmm. So somebody saw Trying it, to hide it. Right, trying to hide it because it looks like... Because probably at that point he's already killed eight of them. Right. And so they've, they've, seen, they've seen him. This person matches... Uh, they all get the same description, right? This person right. matches a, a description. Somebody driving the investor or... or, or do you drive or do you steer? I, I, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I'm the wrong person to ask. Uh, for that. And then coming back on the skiff, and then also buying gasoline. So they have mm-hmm. a description of a person, and they have a lot of sort of circumstantial evidence that somebody, a male individual, has has been around, been on the boat, been right. coming from the boat and buying gasoline. There is another witness uh, also who is on the boat that is right next to the investor that is docked right next to the investor. He originally, when the police, and he's going to be important a little bit later, but right, the originally... Sk- the skipper of the boat that was next right to next the so. investor, that was docked in the investor. Okay. So he's going to say that he woke up around, like, I think it was like 1 a.m. He heard a gunshot mm-hmm. and he looked out. It was foggy. He saw a figure and that was it. And he went back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. So now the, the police have to, so they're getting these witnesses. They have to sort of backtrack. They have to put together what, what happened. What happened. And what, what they would do, Hannah, is they would... They would sort of peel back what Mark and his family were doing the previous probably twenty four hours, right? Right. And and so that they have to th- get establish a timeline because w- what you're looking for is okay, what were the events that led up to this? You know, they have a time that this is going on, and they probably have have some sort of timeline where they believe this this murder had happened and the, the fire had started. So they have to start backing up a timeline. Okay, what was the events that the family were, were doing? And because who were they last seen with? And, and right. that's how you develop there, your witness pool. People, right, right, exactly. Sunday, September 5th, they pull in to Craig. And this is after they had unloaded more than 77,000 The investor pounds. pulls in. The investor pulls in, yep. yes. Okay. Uh, after unloading more than 77,000 pounds of pink salmon, salmon, Sal- salmon, 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 how do you, <laughs> it looks like salmon, but it's salmon. There's going to be a lot of people <laughs> going back and forth. Yeah. If people from Alaska listen to this, they're going to get mad at you. Salmon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Salmon to a Holbeck seafoods tender. So this catch was valued at $33,000 and that's going to come into play in a second. Um, however, I will say that 
it is said that he did not take cash payments. He waited till the end of the season to get like one big lump sum. Right. That that's important. Um, but this catch was a pretty big catch, thirty three thousand right. dollars. And I'm sure in the eighties that was even more right. money well, than it is and, now. And this is if that's one day. If he was going mm-hmm. out if he was going out and getting that every day. This was at the end of the season too. Right. So if he was going out and getting that every day, mm-hmm. he that's that's how he can afford that eight hundred fifty thousand dollar same when i tell you the amount of times everyone points out that price okay so what they that was the the fifth so So he pulls in the port yep right and then so it's gonna be the next night so the The sixth sixth is when they go out and celebrate his birthday his 28th birthday so now right so that that sunday the the fifth is kind of like the end of their work Mm -hmm. week or whatever so the sixth they're going to go. It's the him and his wife and his two kids. They go out to dinner at a restaurant in Craig to celebrate his birthday. And, and a restaurant in Craig, you got to understand, this is a very, very small, small community. Town. It's probably right off of the pier uh, mm-hmm. somewhere close by, and everybody in town is probably there. Right. Th- you at least know people. Right. And it's going to be said that he actually had to ask a friend to, uh, f- to borrow like $100 for the, the check. Right. So he... That's so that how tells me that he had a f- there was right. just a friend in the restaurant chilling. Uh, so that's going to rule out a theory that the police eventually will have mm-hmm. that that it was robbery. Somebody knew that he had that, uh, all that, that all that money on board from that previous catch. Well, witness testimony, the individual says no, he he actually he actually came up to me and asked me to borrow 100 bucks so he could pay for the dinner that night. And that's when other witnesses led the police to to believe that he he didn't he didn't take cash he waited till the end right now my so like playing devil's advocate here for a second Mm -hmm. with my way of thinking i try and think of like both sides coming from both sides Mm -hmm. honestly if i had that much money on my boat i would try and pretend to borrow money from a friend too i wouldn't want people to think that i had that much money on my boat but at this point or on me at all but at this point the 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 police yeah and also peeling back that onion and and trying to figure <laughs> out what he was doing. Call back. Yeah, right. What he was doing previously. They're also trying to, as they come across things, they're going to try to root out a motive, and that just that sort of right. kills that motive a little bit. That that somebody was trying to rob him. Right. Okay. So that is another witness that is mm-hmm. going to say that. So they are celebrating his birthday, and then they go back to the ship, and then that's going to be. Between that night and then the next morning sometime is when all eight of them are going to mm-hmm. be murdered and the boat is taken out. All right. And so let's talk about there were two other members of the crew that were out doing something allegedly as well. Right. Witnesses will also say that Dean and Jerome went out of the boat, like left the boat together. And that they actually are going to another boat to buy drugs. And who who are they buying those drugs from? We'll mention that name now. So his name is John Kenneth Peel. And he used to work for Mark Colthurst and used to date his sister, Mark Colthurst's sister. And he didn't didn't work for him anymore. Right. Because apparently Mark had found out that he was doing drugs. And he said, Mm -hmm. not on my ship. You're not going to. Not on my boat. You're going to. So he... Fired him. Yeah, because like we mentioned, I think we briefly touched on it. Mark was a really hard worker. He mm-hmm. was at this his whole adult mm-hmm. life. I think sure. he said from he was 16, 18, he bought this boat on his own. He worked hard, and Kay. he wanted people to work hard. So John Peel 
is now working for the skipper of that was the boat right that was docked it. right next to him. That I mentioned earlier. Yeah. mentioned earlier. <laughs> so, okay. So, these two crew members were allegedly buying drugs from him. Right. So, okay. when it's to say that uh, it's Dean and Jerome were buying marijuana <laughs> from him is what was said that the drugs That was were. probably the going rate right in 1982, marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also going to be testimony that they tried to call home um, and... I don't know how much, like, I guess it's not really super important, but it just shows that nothing was, like, unusual okay. is going to be the testimony. That Jerome was able to reach his brother but didn't indicate anything out of the unusual. Dean wasn't able to, but he did try. Uh, witnesses will also say that Michael Stewart and Chris Heyman also left the boat together. No one remembered seeing them in town, though, so it, it, that that witness testimony is kind of unclear. They also did reach home to their families, okay. too, though. So probably the ki- there was some people, some of the crew was on on the boat, and then those two went to buy dope, and then they went back to the boat, and then the family went out to celebrate, and they went back to the boat. It's theorized. Was, like, hanging out, doing right, their own thing. It's theorized that... that the killer was on board, killed who was over there, and as everybody came back, he killed them. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they actually found, according to the sort of testimony and the documentary we watched, um, they found Mark Coulter. It looked like he was protecting his wife. So, uh, right, he he walked in. That was in. so sad. That's so, so sad. So they theorized that because it's eight people. Mm-hmm. So they theorized that uh, they killed who was on board, and then as everybody came back, they killed him. So. This description, what what were you going to say? I have, so when we talk about what happens in this case, and remember we kind of discussed, I don't necessarily believe the person they've accused. I don't know. Right, so eight people, I mean, that's that's a lot of people to kill. Because we're going to talk about the motive, right? We're going to get there in a second, but I I just, I don't, you know, maybe Mark, the Coulter's family wasn't the target. That's what I'm saying. Right. If that's if that's their working theory, mm-hmm. then we don't know when any of them came back to the ship. Right. No, y- that that's correct. So. So, like, eight people is a lot of people to mm-hmm. kill, right? I mean, they have a gun. Irene was but, also pregnant. Right. But, you know, so it makes sense that they go on the ship for, what, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and they kill who's there. Maybe they know that that's not the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. So they have to stay there until Mark comes back. So the two guys come back. They're high on marijuana. Boom, boom, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then the family comes back. So, so I, that's, again, theory. If, to me, if I was investigating it and there were eight people dead, I would automatically think that there's more than one person involved, potentially. Mm. But again, there's not. There's just not an, any evidence at all other than that that there's 22 caliber. Um, right. What what they don't talk about is they probably looked into Mark and probably found out he didn't own a twenty two caliber, mm-hmm. uh, and that that was sort of a foreign thing introduced to the to the boat. So, right. So, as far as evidence goes, we mentioned mm-hmm. that witnesses said they saw someone coming back on a skiff, and they talked to that person. They right. said, "Is there anyone on the the boat?" And he said, "Yes." He parks, docks the skiff, gets off, and leaves, disappears. So the police do go to that skiff because it's still there. Right. Uh, but it had rained. Right. So everybody's running out to the boat mm-hmm. or, or, or go, going out to the boat to help. 
and the bad guy, alleged bad guy, is, is parks the skiff and takes off. Right. And they go, right, it's been raining and such, and they go back to the skiff. And, oh, let's collect evidence. Let's mm-hmm. finger dust it for fingerprints. Nothing. Rain washed everything nothing. away. Nothing. Right. And there's n- there's nothing on the boat either. Right. Like I said, they could barely no, identify nothing, people. Right. So, okay, so they have a good description, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody, uh, another witness calls the police. He's in a uh, the local restaurant, pub, bar, and he says, hey, I think, I think there's somebody that matches that description. So they, the police show up, and they meet the witness outside of the bar, and he tells them the person's sitting over in the corner, and he meets the, the, the description. Well, they brought some of the other witnesses who saw him buying gas. The ones and that spoke to him, spoke I think to, it was, uh, yeah. Right, and, and they send him in. They said, go ahead and go in the bar and tell us if you see him. They come back out, and they say, no, we don't, we don't see him in there. So here, here's a good move on the police, I think, right? They mm-hmm. say, well, we're not going to take a chance on that. And they asked the witness who identified him as meeting the description, fitting the description. And they go in and they call him out and they talk to him anyways. They do sort of like a field interview and they talk to him anyways. And it is John Peel. And it's John Peel. Mm-hmm. It's John Peel. He and I, I believe at the time he doesn't actually disclose that he used to work for Mark Coulthorse. That no, isn't he until later no, that he they come back to right, him. He right. right. And he said, they said, where were you? And he mm-hmm. said. Or he says that he was asleep on that boat. That was docked right next to the right, investor. The boat that he worked for, mm-hmm. the skipper that's going to be a witness as well that wakes up, heard some some noise. Right, that was that same skipper okay. that said that he woke up, heard uh, like a gunshot or something, and they went back to sleep. So they talked to him, and they again good move. So they they interacted mm-hmm. with them, and they documented his name probably, and and he said they said okay, they got, they got his story, and they didn't have anything else, so they said okay, thanks for your time, and he goes back into the bar. Right. So then the next obvious thing for them to do is to go to that skipper, the one that was on the boat, to verify his story. Because he's saying that he was asleep on the boat that night. And he was woken up. And they had already talked to that uh, that guy who had come forward with um, saying he heard something. Right. So they're like, let's go back to him and see what he knows, see if he can corroborate the story. And he tells them that... He can't for sure say if John Peel was there, right? Right. So he he first told the police that he woke up to some noise, some banging noises, and he looked out the little window, and it was sort of foggy, and he, he saw a dark figure. He saw a dark figure over by the boat, mm-hmm. uh, over by the investor, and and that w- that was it. You know that that's what he first told them. Right. So they come back to him asking him about John Peel, you know, like all the regular questions. Yep. Because work for you. Right. Because his alibi is again, I think this is good police work because they go, they don't, they don't necessarily name him as a suspect now, but right. but he was somebody that fit the description. And they talk with him, so they go back and say, "Hey, he worked for you. Was he there that night?" And he's gonna say, mm, "I hadn't seen him in a couple I hadn't days. Seen him a couple days, right? I can't really say yep. yes or no. He wasn't super cooperative with the police. Right. The police were kind of like, "Oh, he's acting weird. He's not being really forthcoming." There was a reason for that. Right. <laughs> he was he was doing drugs he too. He was a doper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was they were selling drugs on the the ship. And he wanted the police out of there. Yeah, he was he was worried. He was worried it was go- what was going to happen. So I've said this in a couple other mm-hmm. episodes. I said the fa- if you don't like the police, mm-hmm. the fastest way to get rid of them is to tell the truth. It, to tell the truth. Because he was 
he was fibbing mm-hmm. because he was worried. He was worried about something else else that he was doing, which was a crime, and that was doing drugs. Right. But the only thing that does is make you look suspicious. So it's going to keep the police there, and it's going to keep them asking you wh- what's going on. And it is going to discredit him a little bit. A- 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 <laughs> absolutely. When I'm watching the documentary, right. I just look at him, and I go, oh, you know. The actor that they chose to play him, too, I don't know if mm. you noticed, he started getting, like, irate with yeah, the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, they, yelling at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so that's that's what I don't understand. Look, if if there's a murder... And the cops are coming to you, and you might have information. You might be a witness, but you're gonna try. You're not gonna be truthful because you're worried about some other stupid thing you're doing. That's not the time to be worried about it. Right. Like, like if they're asking you about a murder, and you're worried about smoking marijuana, mm-hmm. your priorities are screwed up. Because also at this point, w- again, we're in a small town in Alaska. Yeah. No one knows if this is a targeted thing. Right, right, right. This could have been night one of many boats being targeted. So if you're sleeping on a boat, how are you not afraid that that's going to happen to you? So, okay, does he eventually come forward then? He does. So he is going to come forward. He has some more information. He wasn't being truthful, as we just alluded to. He has two twenty-two caliber. It's a rifle and a pistol that he has (laughs) that he owns. Yeah, and he says it's further complicates it for him. Right, <laughs> he says that a couple days later they show up in some random place. It was like the front of the boat, like mm-hmm. where th- where yep. they steer, and that's not normally where he keeps them. They just showed up, and he's like, "What is this?" <laughs> so he takes it to the police and he gives them to the police and is like, "Hey, here's what really happened. I, you know, I saw John Peel on the boat." On the investor. Yes. He, now he, he says he, he felt guilty and, mm-hmm. and he says, I, the person I saw going across the, over, over to the boat was, was John Peel. And also John Peel had said that he was home in bed on the uh, on that ship. Right. Or, he right. never said that he went to the investor. Right. And remember the skipper said that I don't really remember him, him being there. So right. even even in his stupidity of lying, it, it doesn't add up to what John Peel said. Right. No. E- either way, it's not <laughs> what John Peel is gonna right. try and say. So they hand over that twenty-two caliber. I didn't find anything where they like said it came back inconclusive. That's what it was, right? They when they tested it, the ballistics, it came back inconclusive. Right. Inconclusive. Right. That's so annoying. <laughs> again, this is not the. Again, this is not the show. This is not the TV show. Uh, this is not all the fancy TV shows where it comes back in 30 seconds and they get some fancy thing up there and they click on the TV <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the the forensics comes back and, oh, it's a perfect match. You know, it just it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, it's going to kind of go cold for like a year, year and a half, almost two years um, until some more witnesses are going to come forward saying that, you know, the eyewitness, the what is it the composite sketch that they did they're gonna say it kind of does look like peel right so they only have witness testimony so they get a a, a, a sketch artist to come in and, and drop what it looks like what he looks like right and they say it kind of looks like john peel mm-hmm. some people call in they're like eh, that looks like john peel which eh. around what year are we at now so it's like two years after the pu- the fire. So 1984-85, mm-hmm. uh, John Peel is going to be arrested and charged with first-degree murder for eight deaths and first-degree arson. 
He is released into custody, into his parents' custody on a million-dollar property bond. What's a property bond? You put up a house or the boat or or something like that. That's a lot of a lot of love from from some parents. Right. You go. So what happens? You go to the bail bondsman. You see, mm-hmm. you heard of the bail bondsman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and dog. What? Oh, dog, the pony hunter. Jeez. So, um, see, we used to watch that. Well, yeah, that was another one. We watched all these. You told our listeners early on. We used to watch these shows, and yeah. now it's proof. So what happens is, you go to the bail bondsman, mm-hmm. and you say, "I want to get this person out of jail." And they say, what do you got? And, hmm. well, I got a house that's worth a half a million bucks or whatever. Okay, I'll go bail them out. And, y- you know, my credit is is your house. If if something happens, if he skips or whatever, I get the house. So that's how that works. Wow. That's you a know. lot of love. <laughs> so, okay. So, but what, what was the deciding factor? Like, what was it? Just the it witness was testimony? That, it was that the eyewitnesses called in like a year and a half after the, the murders and say that he looks like... Mm-hmm. The drawing that so they're, they identify that drawing as John Peel. So they gather all the witness testimony. And for some reason, the D.A. thinks that it's enough to charge him. It, right. And the skipper saying the person I saw right. going over there was was John Peel going over to the boat. I heard those noises. It was, it was John Peel. So the skipper places him on the boat the night before they were killed or the night that they were killed. And the witness testimony says that that um, he looks like the person in the sketch and the witnesses that saw the bad guy are the ones that they're going to identify or the ones that gave the sketch artist the, the description. So it's all sort of circumstantial, but they say he's the guy and they arrest him. which like originally I have an issue with that. And I mean, there we're going to get to the witnesses in a second, but I have an issue with in the beginning when they're talking to police, they mm-hmm. say they have no idea who they saw. Like the people that actually spoke to the murderer, they say they didn't recognize him. They don't know who he is. This is a small town, right? Mm-hmm, right. So then they're later going to come back and testify that it was John Peel. But I'm like, if this is a small town, you all know each other. How come in the beginning when you first spoke to police, you didn't recognize it as John Peel? Yeah, no. And like, and, and the couple that went into the bar and said, hey, go in the bar and pick out that guy. And right. they, they couldn't pick him out, you know. Right. That just and, and witness, we know witness testimony is important, but we also know it's it, it just fades over time. And, and it's the most difficult um, piece of evidence to, to deal with. Right. Which that's is all, why I don't understand That's why all they have. So they know. They have a pretty good timeline when the family died, right? Because the, mm-hmm. the fire started at a particular time. And, you know, they have a pretty good timeline of, of when the family died because they last saw them a- at the bar. You know, so they have this person allegedly driving the boat, the investor. Mm-hmm. Then they have this per- another, other witnesses say they have this person driving the skiff away from the boat. Mm-hmm. And then they have person who bought gasoline person who bought gasoline and it all turns out to be sort of the same description you know and then the skipper from the boat next to the investor says it was was my the guy on my crew was over there that's who i saw i lied to you in the beginning because i do drugs and i didn't want uh you to come down on me um you know i didn't want and then john peel said i was on the boat that night and the skipper said no he wasn't so uh, you know it looks like 
he was on the boat just before they were killed. He also, by the way, failed a polygraph test. Mm-hmm. John Peel p- failed a polygraph test. Right. So there's, I mean, you can't use that in a court of law. No, it's just a lead that, that the police, right. hey, maybe our theory is correct. You know? Right. Okay. So he's arrested. March 1986, his trial is going to start. Now, again, this is mostly circumstantial. We have just all of the witness, all of the witness testimony. This is going to be a six-month trial with a six-day deliberation. Mm-hmm. Ends in a hung jury and a mistrial. Yep. J- they couldn't agree. Okay, right. It was, wh- yeah. what does a hung jury mean? No, that's irrelevant. <laughs> they, you, they don't have all 12, so. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, they only have a witness. Yeah. Hung jury, mistrial. January 1988, the second trial starts. It's a three-month trial, four-day deliberation. So that was interesting to me that mm-hmm. it was a shorter trial the second time around. They really didn't have so. Uh, apparently, on the second, um, the second trial, they had some jailhouse snitches or something that said that John Peel had admitted to it. But they, the defense attorneys, were able to prove that that these guys were getting reduced sentences. Right. Yeah. And that's it. it they just killed the credibility. So that trial ends in a not guilty. Not verdict. guilty. Yeah. Reasonable so doubt. They acquit him. They spent two million dollars on the investigation of this of the first trial, and the retrial was budgeted for seven hundred thousand. So I thought that was that was interesting. They spent a lot of money on this, um, which I didn't. I don't think I realized that. Does the state pay for that? I, you, oh, no, I it's, it's, I just it's, didn't how, it's how it is. I mean, somebody eight people were killed. So right, and and you got to remember, it's it's man hours. You know, people get mm-hmm. paid by the hour. It's experts that come in and evidence collection yeah these things just rack up well it was a pretty expensive two trials so after he was acquitted he files a 177 million dollar civil suit against the state for for wrongful prosecution seven years later he settles outside of court for nine hundred thousand. Seven years i hate i hate highlighting these things but it's right but you know like if you're acquitted so we did a case earlier where they just targeted the wrong guy, and, and I thought that was different. Like they have good circumstantial evidence, and this person was acquitted. That means there's no that that means there was reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. There was enough to tell the jury, hmm, maybe that didn't happen. So I don't know why they're they're entitled to that kind of money. Yeah. I because I didn't even know you if could file acquitted, for wrongful if you're acquitted, prosecution. If you're acquitted, the file closes and you move on with life. You it's not supposed to affect you. Right. So talk about that for a second. Why is that? There's a what is it? Double jeopardy. Can you explain that? Yeah. So if you're acquitted, so this is the the justice system, right? You you face a, a jury of your peers and you get to uh, question the evidence, and it has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. So. Anytime the defense attorney can say this over here could have happened, mm-hmm. this person could have done it or, or what have you, and they can put reasonable doubt in the jury's mind, hmm, maybe this is not how it went down. Right. They they have to acquit. And when you acquit, that means you cannot be tried again. You've been acquitted. That's the, the system. You know, you've been acquitted. So... W- 
Why? So a mistrial is different then. How yeah, come mistrial, they can? Because you have to have twelve jurors um, agree. Agree, and a mistrial is like they can't really come. They can't get on, get there together. You know, there's mistrial. One or two people don't agree. Not sure. It's it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the judge will send them back in. And say you don't. You're not coming back until you until you reach a verdict. That's funny. And and uh, but it just uh, yeah mistrial. It just or hung jury. Just they're not there. So that means you can go back and the prosecutor can can retry. Now sometimes right. prosecutors choose not to to retry because they're assessing how they presented the evidence and they're assessing how it went and and they make that decision. But in this particular case they decided to to go right back. Right. With a shorter trial though. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. that's what was interesting mm-hmm. to me that after a mistrial they kind of shortened the trial. But technically he's obviously free to go and mm-hmm. this this didn't happen. He's he's not a bad guy. He's not a not a murderer. Right. So. And unfortunately in this case the police believe that they got it right. So they're not No, they do. You you correct. That's correct. The investor had some crew members on board and some crew members were not on board. Mm-hmm. And they believe John Peel was angry because he got fired from the crew before uh, for doing drugs allegedly mm-hmm. he, he was angry so that was maybe the drug motive. and alcohol right that was maybe the motive he, so he was angry what they don't know is was it just revenge or was he trying to go get that that alleged thirty thousand dollars nevertheless he goes over to the investor and he kills who's on board and then as the others maybe he didn't see the money mm-hmm. you know so as they come back on board he kills them all with this 22, he he takes the boat out to this other little cove. Must have realized, what do I, I want to burn this down. So he takes the skiff back, buys gasoline, goes back out there, covers the boat with gasoline, sets it ablaze, and gets back in the skiff and comes back. And in doing that, he, he runs into some people. Some people see him. Right. See, I and that's you think that's what happened. Well, right? that's the theory. That's Do what you they, agree with that theory. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it seems. So here's loose. my here's my issue with mm-hmm. it. Right. He had been fired. I think they mentioned it was like a year or two previously. A good amount of time had already passed in between him being fired and getting this new job. He has a new job. Right. Mm-hmm. He was clearly friendly ish with the two that he sold uh, weed too, or marijuana, whatever it was that he was selling. He took their money. He sold them stuff. He was obviously friendly enough. It, you know, nothing was unusual. Why kill eight people for revenge on something that had was old? You know what I mean? Like why, why wait? And, and he had worked, not only had he worked for Mark Colthurst, but he had also dated Mark's sister. Mm -hmm. So he had to have known his habits on getting paid. I don't see that money being part of the motive either. He had to have known that Mark didn't take money payment until the end, yeah, right? I, yeah. That's so a good point. I that's where I have issue with with that theory is why kill eight people, especially when a couple of them you had just mingled with, they're around your age, you yeah. just sold. Like those are customers, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you you're in the drug business, you're doing this fishing stuff, you want money, why are you going to go kill two of your customers? Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's all a good a good point. So the you know? the police chief and Craig actually thinks that it was that the investor was a drug boat, you know, because mm-hmm. he, cause he believes yeah. he's broad stroking it. He, you know, this is 
the fishing time in Craig, Alaska, and everybody was doing drugs. So he believes that there was there was um, a, a drug angle. So There's weird. another detective from Washington that Washington State that came up to help, and he says that's that's BS. That's not the case. So I'm so more inclined to believe that there was some jealousy going on mm-hmm. because this boat was really nice, mm-hmm. and they w- they pulled in a lot of money, but then the boat was burned. So. That doesn't right. make sense either. Uh, I guess who was now here's here's the other twist. So the sisters, the two sisters, Mark's two sisters, later on got in contact with um John Peel. Mind you, one of the sisters is the one that he dated. They dated right, for right. a while. And they he can't he agreed to meet with them mm-hmm. and they looked him in the eyes and they said, Did you kill our brother? And he says, I did not kill your brother. They said that they sort of believe him, but they left it like this with them. They said, we believe you still know something about this, and you need to come forward, and you need to tell us that. So they, they sort of feel that he knows something about it, but he, he was not in, involved. So, right. I mean, it, this is, again, a case, witness testimony. You just, it, it's tough. You know, witness testimony is sort of a, a, a lead, you know. Right. You I can't, don't you know. Yeah. You you have to develop other evidence to corroborate what the witnesses are saying because it's just it's just the toughest it's just probably the worst type of evidence you had. I mean it's strong. Hey, I saw that person over there kill that person, you know. But mm. then you have to take in everything else. Well, what time was it? How far had you know, you know how much time had passed since the incident? Do you have glasses? Was it dark out? There's all kinds of mm. things you have to take in consideration. So. I feel like when people can corroborate that they were doing something or watching a specific TV show or something, you know what I do actually, because I, I like watch all these shows and I pay attention to Mm -hmm. what, you know, investigators like you say, I will, if I see something that I deem a little bit suspicious, I look at the time Mm -hmm. and I try and remember the time where I'm at. (laughs) I look at license plate numbers. (laughs) I am. I pay attention to my surroundings. I'm not going to get caught in a bad situation. (laughs) So you worked retail, right? So did you you guys have the the measurement stick on the the doors exiting? So if somebody exited, you could... You could line them up real quick. It's usually like a piece of tape measure. You didn't have that? You put... They were usually at doors and it was like a tape measure on the door. So when... The, something happened and the suspect left you could up oh, six feet oh, six two you didn't have those in the store no but that's yeah. really smart yeah well because um all of the places that i've worked retail at you're not allowed to call the cops or anything oh, typically right. yeah, there i think at five below when i worked in an actual shopping center mm-hmm. we were allowed to call the cops then but yeah it, everywhere else you're oh. not allowed to yeah, there's just no, this isn't a DNA one like we like to do. And there was just, unfortunately, it was a sad situation. So there's only bone fragments and some bullets. Um, so there's no there's no other evidence, really. I mean, it would have been great if they got fingerprints off of that skiff. Ugh, yeah. The <laughs> stupid I mean, rain. I think it still would have been tough, right? Because mm-hmm. they could have wha- tested what they John Peel's fingerprints, though, what at if least. They, what if they found John Peel's fingerprints on that skiff, right? Well, they were mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they he could have talked out. Yeah, I, I used him. that from the other day. I went out to do, you know, so Yeah, it was it was a um, hard case. It, all right. I well, mean, the Alaska State Troopers, they actually consider this case closed. Unfortunately, that to me 
coming from like the family side, I would be so frustrated with mm-hmm. that, especially since they are saying that they kind of believe him, but believe he knows more. Right. I'd be so mad. Like, okay, 12 people said that he was innocent. So like, let's find who is guilty. Yeah. I reached out. I sent the email to the Alaska State, uh, Alaska State Troopers and they never responded back to me. So I just wanted to say, hey, is it really closed? Do you have any other suspects? What's going on? And they... They never responded back to me. So Probably. I tried. It's closed. Yeah. All right. Well. All right, guys. I know that was a tough one. Thank you for listening, sticking with us through it. Uh, again, if you are enjoying listening to us, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And you know what? The more you do that, it pushes our podcast up there. Maybe these police departments are just like not. They just don't care unless it's a big. They're bigger mm-hmm. people, you know, so. Help us get out there a little bit more. Police departments will start responding to us. <laughs> we can give you guys some more information. But we do enjoy hearing your feedback. Apple Podcasts, rate and review, and you can do it on Anchor FM, anchor.fm also. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. We put updates behind the scenes, fun bonus content. It's all over there. And we will see you guys next week. All right. Thanks. Spread the word. Spread the word.